This podcast is part of the Podcast Arcade Network. Welcome to episode three of Paranormal Dads. I'm your co-host, Pat. I'm Eddie. And I'm Andy. Thank you for joining us as we explore the monsters, myths, and mysteries that surround us right here on Paranormal Dads. Episode three. Third time's a charm. That's what they say. <laughs> it's our hat trick. It's our hat trick of episodes here. Exactly. It's proof we're not going anywhere quite yet. <laughs> Fortunately or unfortunately, we're here to stay, folks. I think the world, the actual number in the world of podcasting is episode six. You have to get by six yeah. to, to once, be a legitimate. Once you crack through that six barrier, then it's like, okay, these guys aren't going anywhere. Nice. But I can tell you we're not going anywhere. <laughs> well, when we get to episode 100, we'll have to get like a Bigfoot cake or a UFO cake or something to, you know, to celebrate a little bit. Exactly. And make it disappear. <laughs> make it disappear. We can do that. It's not paranormal. Sure That's called hunger. Pat's like, look! And we all look and turn around and come back. He's got frosting around frosting. his face. <laughs> it's gone! That's the best part is the frosting. Exactly. Well, as always, we kick off the show with uh, our first segment, which is always about recent sightings. And we tend to rotate the segments, too. So uh, this week, Pat, you're up with uh, recent sightings, kind of as a way to catch the listeners up to speed on weird things that have been going on around the world, uh, kind of our way to get you up to date. All right, this week... Our recent sightings is not so much a sighting, but it comes from theweekandweird.com, or just weekandweird.com. And uh, it was a story I came across about the traveling museum of the paranormal and the occult. <laughs> That's crazy. It's like my ears perked up already. It, huh? it is the world's only mobile museum of haunted artifacts, and it's a very cool project that they're working on, something that's near and dear to my heart, which is 3D printing. So what they do is they have this inventory of all these haunted objects. Oh my gosh. And they are 3D scanning each and every one of these. So they're creating digital files of all their objects and they're putting them out online so people can print copies of these objects on their 3D printers. Wait, so I'm just I'm just now like piecing okay. it together in my head. So they scan it upload it and then another person with a 3d scanner can like basically download it and then print it off and it appears in your at your home office right in in oh my god mine's so like a 3d printer you can download their file and then print, and just print it out and there there's there's the idol or whatever it is i, I too printing. i too can own the necronomicon on my front table <laughs> <laughs> satan's bible <laughs> I want I want the Greg Brady tiki from the Brady Bunch. Yes, that was haunted. <laughs> yes. So so, of course you know a project like this, you know something weird is going to happen. Oh man! And that's exactly what they've run into. This project is actually four months in the making so far. Oh wow! But they keep running into problems with certain objects that don't want to be scanned or are causing problems, and um, 
First of all, some of the things they're 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 scanning are cursed idols. <laughs> there are drums that are used to summon voodoo spirits. Uh, there's a haunted mask that causes out of body experiences. Jim Carrey, he puts the mask on. <laughs> the, mask, the green mask. Somebody stop me! So, <laughs> sorry. Some of the objects don't want to be scanned, um, and uh, I'll, I'll give the example of uh, an. African idol named Billy. Oh, he's a large African idol, probably about two feet tall, and he has a history of causing intense nightmares. And the thing that's <laughs> going on, you want a 3D print? They they actually have video of this on their website, uh, theparamuseum.com, or or you can go to weekendweird.com and just kind of search for for this. But this um, this idol, when they go to scan him, puts up like a digital barrier in front of his face so you move the scanner in front of him and there's like this gray wall in front of his face and you can move the scanner over to another object and it scans just fine huh. move it back to billy's face and that wall goes up and you can't scan him billy always has to be so uncooperative <laughs> those billies so what they did to remedy the problem they actually went into conducting evp sessions with billy so they like andy was talking last week with their iphones they start talking to billy say billy what's up with this and they're recording all this on their iPhones. They go back later and listen to it. And they receive some messages from Billy, Billy via EVP session. And so Billy didn't understand why they were trying to scan him. He didn't understand what they were going to do to him. And he didn't understand the process. And they went into like a, I think they said it was like a 30-hour negotiation period with Billy trying to get it to work on Billy. Poor Billy. <laughs> Billy's got an Billy. agent. He's Billy, like... <laughs> Billy's high maintenance. Well, I feel bad. Well, I mean, if this is legit, I kind of feel bad. It's like when you take your little kid to the dentist for the first time and they're scared because they don't know what's going on. Yeah. What's this big machine, you know, that's taking x-rays of me? Right. What's what's this instrument that's, you know, making my teeth vibrate? He's just scared because he didn't know what to expect. And they're doing everything they can to get him to cooperate. They're offering him tobacco and they're... They're trying to explain the process, and and ultimately that you know they were telling him that this is just going to make you more accessible to people, and you'll get to meet more people. And finally, Billy relented, and he allowed his image to be scanned, and he was put into the inventory for this project. So Billy did not want them to get his number. Wow, <laughs> Billy. <laughs> you know, you know what's interesting though, seriously, is a lot of these haunted artifacts, obviously. For people who are sensitive or intuitive, they probably have some weird energy kind yeah. of attached to it. For, for lack of a better term, you could say these items are haunted yeah, I mean, because of the energy attached to them. But the cool part would be, in theory, is if you scan it and then put it out on this uh, digital library and then another person uploads it from their home office on their scanner, you know, the, the scanned item that appears there wouldn't have any of that energy on it because it would be a copy of the original, correct? Oh, contraire, oh, apparently. Oh, <laughs> Well, I... I, I guess they, they didn't come out and say that, but they they kind of put a disclaimer out that if you download these images, some of the abilities may or may not transfer with the object. So So haunted haunted energy included. But but they <laughs> Darn they, it. For for example, they had one object that they printed out on their printer and it actually melted the printer down. Which is kind of strange because 
I, I've spent some time at DoSpace working with the printers over there, and, and usually, you know, s sometimes the material might uh, flow a little too much, and yeah. you have to adjust that. But for the equipment to just melt down, that's kind of weird. You know how downloads work, however. So you're downloading, it's printing it, and all of a sudden the download gets interrupted, and then you have like a half-haunted monkey's paw that like <laughs> that, 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 that won't work right. You have half of a face and it looks melted. That'd be scary in itself, yeah. But so if you're interested in, in trying some of these, you can go to paramuseum.com. Uh, you have to join their club. I don't know what the club would cost, but that allows you to print the objects. Uh, that may or may not inherit paranormal. That activity. is such a gamble. Ooh, that so is that's, such a gamble. But it's cool though. I like it because it's a lesser known thing. You know what I mean? And uh, I've actually heard of this recently. I caught wind of it through some of the circles that I run, and it sounded really cool. But I did not know that about the the scanning part. But that's, I mean, credit to these people for thinking outside the box. That is an original idea, if I've ever heard one. Yeah, it's it's a really cool project and. We're going to put a video, I think we can probably put it in the show notes. Totally. From the Week in Weird, where we got this story. And yeah. you got to go out and watch this video of them trying to uh, negotiate with Billy. And uh, it's just the weirdest thing. We can put that on the Facebook page, too. Yeah. That uh, is so nuts. Tobacco. <laughs> Giving them smokes. <laughs> smoke them if you got them. <laughs> Blow it in my face. I can't smoke it. <laughs> That's crazy. But anyway, that is this week's... Sighting of the week. It's time for pop, culture, and the paranormal. All right, pop culture and paranormal. Welcome to it, everybody. It's my turn. It's Eddie's turn. <laughs> and in true Eddie fashion, you selected something that's very, uh, very unique. Thinking out, thinking outside the box here. Well, thank you. Uh, the thing about me and people who maybe don't follow me on other forums, I kind of like nerdy things. We all like nerdy things in this group of dads. And so I wanted to kind of infuse that in with the um, uh, paranormal. And a, f a lot of the pop culture that we've discussed tends to take something that is part of pop culture and infuse it uh, with something paranormal. And in this case, I'm a big fan of Superman. And I was like, in the pantheon of villains that Superman has fought, I do know at some point he did go up against the paranormal. And so a little bit of research has, has revealed, aha, Superman, in fact, did fight vampires. Specifically Dracula. Um, now, the funny thing about the comics, and I have my little show notes here, which is rare for me because I tend to go off the cuff. But uh, one of the things that happened was that comics from a certain time period, it was like 1954 to 1971, could not feature anything from like horror. Whether it was Frankenstein, Dracula, Werewolf, couldn't have it in a comic book. It was considered too scary and they would like summon, you know, evil and they didn't want that in comic books. So it was banned from comics up until 1971. They could not have Dracula in a comic book. Who would have thought? Right? Yeah. So they did, after 1971, they kind of tweaked the comics code and they could have these images in comic books. And it didn't take DC and in this, I'm oh, sorry, Marvel and then in this case, DC Comics to catch up and say, hey, we should have Superman fight vampires and werewolves and stuff. So it's an interesting thing to keep up for people who maybe don't follow Superman. Most people who do know Superman lore know that he has one weakness, which is kryptonite. Right. 
He's also susceptible to magic, which is something that people maybe not really? don't know. Right? I did not, I did know, not know that. Yeah. When it comes to anything like scientific uh, or like not magical, Superman is completely invulnerable to harm. Hmm. So a gun, a bomb, whatever, a planet smashing into him can't kill him. But somebody who has a magical uh, source of their power. He's just as vulnerable as any normal human. So David Blaine could just go out on Superman and just... <laughs> Snatch his eye out. <laughs> Pop! I got your eyes in my pocket. Here, Superman, pick a card. Exactly. <laughs> so since vampires and Dracula are pretty, you know, they're known to be really alluring and hypnotic and can play mind tricks on people. So yeah. is that kind of the wild card that they had up their sleeve against Superman? It's funny you mention that because they, they, they have several iterations where Dracula, or in this case, the vampires, because right. they kind of played around with the different... Uh, you know, terminology for these monsters. But yes, they would hypnotize him, cause him to behave in their, uh, at their command, go do bad things for the vampires and all of that. And in one case, like he knocks out Wonder Woman because Dracula <laughs> told him to. Like, it's, it's such a crazy comics. What are you going to do? But never, domestic violence and Superman. I know, I just right? never thought it. Yeah. <laughs> like, way to go, Dracula. You're a jerk. Double time. But. Uh, following this storyline because it's it, like comics, they don't you know follow it through with one thing. There's several iterations of this, but in one of them, it is where uh, Superman actually does break the spell and uh, kill, which in Superman doesn't really kill. That's the whole point, and t- unless you watch the recent Man of Steel movie. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> I you, still haven't seen that movie. Really? No. Gosh, you should no. watch it. I'm so bad with the DC stuff. I, and I guess it's not really intentional, but I just never get around to watching DC, DC stuff. Yeah. I'm pretty good with the Marvel stuff. but Marvel has really taken a more fun approach, and DC is getting exactly. a little more probably grim. Exactly. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not a real dark movie kind of guy anyway. I know. but um, They took a path. <laughs> but I was going to see that Batman the superman versus superman it's good in its own way i mean you got to go in with a certain expectation but so superman uh does not kill but in this case dracula is undead anyway so it doesn't really matter but in an in an epic and i do encourage viewers if they're interested to see this look this up online um he decides he doesn't decide he rebels he fights back the power of dracula and he kills him by holding a cross in his hand and putting it right through uh, dracula's chest coming out the back yeah so it's like and that wasn't too graphic no i mean this is also comics uh, i think it was like in the early 90s or 80s at this point did he have garlic salt sprinkled on the on the crucifix exactly <laughs> some garlic powder i can't believe it's not garlic hanging some out. onion powder just for taste you know just, bow. just to give it some flavor right through the heart a, a necklace of basil you know it's ironic when you think about it because uh, garlic's supposed to be good for the heart but if you uh, get impaled by a crucifix sprinkled with garlic salt I could see not so good for your health yeah that's a problem one of the <laughs> one of the cheesy ways he also fought off a vampire was uh, as we all know, vampires can't stand being in the sun. Yeah. And uh, Superman... Can uh, throw him to the sun. Can throw him into the sun. <laughs> uh, so, no, of course, comics have to make it all convoluted and weird. They, he filled up a child's birthday balloon with pure, like, what is it, like nitrogen or whatever, and then, like, hit it with his heat vision and created a miniature sun. <laughs> 
It had to be as complicated as possible. Pat just solved it. Throw him into the sun. (laughs) They consulted with a a chemistry teacher to pull this one off. A fifth grade. (laughs) He's made his year. But but yeah, the scene of him putting that cross right through Dracula's chest meat is like just hilarious. Like, like, oh, I guess that's one way to take out a vampire. There you go. So, So for anybody who's curious if... If uh, Superman ever fought any super par- super powered paranormal, he also gets they all dogpile on him. Pun intended, by the way. The <laughs> werewolf <laughs> jumps on him. Frankenstein's holding him back with his arms. You know, it's so it's it's kind of a cool looking thing watching all these universal monsters just team up on Superman. Right. So I definitely encourage the nerdy uh, folks out there to look that up. Well, I want to see a rumble between the Hulk and Frankenstein. That would be so. That would be a mashup. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of. Anytime I ever saw anything else like that, uh, you know, be it Marvel or DC or wherever, yeah, where you got superheroes going against monsters, yeah, that would be kind of a fun thing—a little mashup on on like who versus who. For for some reason, I, I'm I'm picturing Batman and Robin versus Dracula. Like three, makes, I'm think I'm thinking three witches. And I don't know if it was like like a weird like Hostess cupcake. That little comic or, or like back in the 70s or 80s or something but yeah it seems like batman and robin i don't know i, I now i'm just getting wrong, ideas for future episodes I we know, could have man. a whole discussion on who would win and you know who vis- who who would win versus another uh uh paranormal you entity know. versus yeah, ex- a superhero yeah. you got, who would win between chupacabra and bigfoot or who would win between loch ness monster and uh, you know, ET, you know, things like this. Uh, I think we can I need do to a... consult Uncle Joey Patrick on this one. <laughs> there you go. If he could uh, clear things, clear some things up. But Get Joe in on be, this. That would be cool. We could do a Twitter poll too. You can do that on Twitter. <laughs> you, can, you can do a poll and have people vote. Who's the strongest paranormal monster? I'd probably go with Bigfoot. But then, then again, you got aliens who, I mean, they don't have magical superpowers, but they have technology that's so yeah. advanced as practically like magic. Right. Maybe they could freeze Bigfoot in their ray gun or something like that. If you believe in possession, you could have a ghost possess yourself, start knocking yourself out. Quit hitting, now, yourself. Quit hitting yourself. I mean, Quit now I'm, I'm starting to brainstorm ideas for a board game here. There we go. <laughs> See what happens on Paranormal Chup- Chupacabra in there. There's a Chupacabra in there. Element <laughs> Lizard, of surprise. Yeah. You know, now that we mentioned, and this has gotten a little derailed, but it's fine. <laughs> we went off the track. <laughs> this is dude. what happens with me when you put me in charge. Um, I have a game, a board game called Sasquatches and Flapjacks. And I've... Pl- we played. We that played one, it, so and it, it is awesome. it, it is fun. You got to give it. We only played it at one time. And it was we, fun. And we had kid distractions everywhere. Oh, yeah. But it is a very fun game. It's it's got it's got one foot in the paranormal. It's super fun. Yeah. So uh, any dads or moms or uh, parents out there who want to uh, want to have a fun game with their kids, Sasquatch it, and flapjacks. Right? It fulfills your dreams. It, it was either. a fun game. I yeah. remember. Plus, it before. makes you hungry for pancakes. So. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right. Like you learn about Bigfoot, you get to get your pancake. You, you know, fantasies come true, and you get to play like a lumberjack for a while. A triple win. And now it's time for the main mystery. <laughs> Welcome to episode three's main mystery, Ooh. and... This week we're going to be discussing and dissecting Area 51. Oh. It's a mythical, well not even mythical, uh, but it's a, it's a mysterious mythical. place that's uh, kind of shrouded in in rumors. It's a it's a real physical actual location in Nevada. Uh, it's a uh, rumored to be the place where the government hides uh you know crashed alien uh aircraft and other people 
I think it's solely used for, uh, you know, testing new experimental black development, projects. black projects, you know, uh, reverse engine. Some people think we're, you know, the government's re- reverse engineering alien spacecraft there. And other people say it's just, uh, you know, they're out there testing uh, stealth technology and whatnot. But it's a real physical location. Um, and until recent years, the government never officially admitted that it existed until there was so many lawsuits and court cases from families of government workers who were actually suing the government because their spouses had uh, gotten extremely sick and or passed away from handling unknown chemicals at this facility. So eventually in these court cases, the government had to come out and they never they never did use the, the phrase Area 51. They called it something else. But this is a... It, Area 51 is actually in... Uh, Groom Lake. It is a dried up lake bed in the Nevada desert. Um, hop, skip, and a jump actually from Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I mean, there's there's documentaries galore. I mean, you guys have seen some uh, History Channel, Discovery Channel. I mean, even in years past, they've played some of these uh, documentaries on ABC and 2020 and, and every week. Like this. Every week, you can find something on Area 51 on TV. I don't think there's a geographical place on the continental U.S. that has such controversy associated with it as this. It's just, I, I'd say, arguably so. Yeah, it, I can't. It, there's. There's so much going on there. Except for Pat's house. (laughs) That's a freaky place. (laughs) But, I mean, this is a huge place. I mean, you're talking hundreds of square miles. Um, And and actually, you know, because it's shrouded in mystery, you have the UFO enthusiasts who are going out looking for a good time or trying to collect evidence for their own little, uh, you know, um, alien you know, research teams, kind of like paranormal hunters do with ghosts. Mm -hmm. And there was actually a place that was within, uh, you know, viewing distance of Area 51. It was a far off mountain range that that was known as Freedom Ridge. I don't know if Mm -hmm. that's officially or unofficially, but if you'd go up there in the middle of the night and put on your, you know, your glow in the dark glasses and and your uh, night vision cameras, you could actually see some of the lights glowing down there in the valley of Area 51. And it was legal to stand on this freedom ridge because it was public property and it was well, like 10 11 miles oh, yeah. away so it, it was oh, wow so away. it was still a ways away but but you, you could, could see, actually see you the could entire see base from yeah the and you could see some planes coming and going from the facility and uh frankly government didn't like it so right. they expanded the perimeters of area 51 mm-hmm. uh and took over freedom ridge so people could no longer stand up there and uh, speculate about what was going on. So now there's literally nowhere you can go that you can actually look down on the base. Or oh, unless I'm wrong, did you? I, I actually did you come saw, across something? Came across something this week that there is a new place uh, that is now like 26 miles away. Oh gosh, beyond Freedom Ridge. But it, again, another mountaintop that you can go up there, and if you have a strong enough lens, you can uh, take some pictures. And they actually shot some video. Um, Going of Area 51, just you know, kind of like cars and things, activity on the base. But you know, uh, it doesn't look m- much different from what they shot at Freedom Ridge because sure. it's because cameras are better. Yeah, yeah. But they're they're just so far away. Um, but even then, there is the government put up. They call it a weather tower, but it's got cameras on it. Yeah. You know, they're they're keeping an eye on folks that are venture up there and it's not an easy place to get to you need like four-wheel drive vehicle and i think you have to do the part of it on foot just to get to this spot to take these pictures but there's nothing going on 
Don't worry. Yeah, don't worry. No, yeah, it's all safe. Yeah, we we don't want you to see. Uh, it's that's the thing. Is like, what what do they have there? And I think that's why it's become such a alluring mystery. Is what the heck is going on there? You know that that's you know it's kind of common knowledge that um, basically whatever technology you you think we have, we're about twenty years beyond that. And a lot of people speculate that a lot of our aircraft. Uh, were designed, tested, and flown for the first time at Area 51. Right. You uh, got the U-2. U-2 spy, spy plane. plane. The SR-71. Yep. Blackbird, which, in my opinion, I think is the greatest piece of machinery ever built, except for maybe the space shuttle. But yeah. it nothing compares to that, the, the speed and the altitude that that thing... Um, can do and the time it was created it was actually created back in the early 60s although they really put it to use in the later 60s and the 70s uh it's just an incredible piece of machinery that thing when when they fill it up with fuel the fuel is actually dripping out of that plane what because it contracts so much it oh, gets yeah. so hot that everything kind of seals up once they take off. But when it's just sitting there on the ground... It's leaking fuel. It's like the last thing they have to do is put the fuel in because, you know, it leaks so much fuel. It's just an amazing piece of machinery. Well, and if it was designed in the early 60s, you know, for anyone in the Omaha area, you can go to the uh, Strategic Air Museum right. out there near, yep. you know, past Gretna ways. And you can look at this thing because it's literally hanging in the air. It's yep. suspended in the air as you walk in the building. So you're like nose to nose with this thing. It looks alien. Like the it angles looks so it. alien. And the angles are there for aerodynamics, but also for radar. Yeah. Like right. if, and some of the material it's made out of too, right? It's a stealth. It's a stealth plane. Is that? Am it, I it's it. The SR seventy one isn't stealth per se. Um, I mean, it's stealth in the in the. It flies so high. In the idea that it's so high. So high. So high and so fast. You know, the Russians never knew we were over over the top of them because it's it's so high. Yeah. If they did know, there was nothing they could do. They couldn't shoot a like a surface air missile at them because too high. It it wouldn't reach them. Um, But but yeah, I mean the 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 stealth projects though. You you got the B two bomber and and the the F one seventeen fighter. Yeah. that's actually it does have like a, a material over it that is you know very top secret but it reflects radar and basically gives it a very small um, look on the radar so you might have this b2 stealth bomber and it looks huge but on radar it just looks like you know a yeah. little Cessna or something it's essentially a big boomerang is what it looks like yeah so so most people who are like fans or aficionados of this sort of subject, probably know the story but the long and short of area 51 is that the idea is a crashed alien ship what year was it 19 it was 50 something right or was it 40 oh, 1947 roswell new mexico yeah yep and is that where they believe they took the crashed wreckage and subsequent and allegedly the corpses of these aliens to area 51 is that the idea it, it depends who you ask but people do speculate and you know but, but the thing is all aliens aside even if there's not aliens involved they have a runway at least one runway at area 51 that's two miles long it's like what kind of aircraft goes so fast or is so big that you need a runway that's two miles long right because what, what were you saying pat i mean if you if you had to you could land the biggest airplane in the world was it like 7, 747 i think you can put down at epley yeah which is yeah. not even a that big of and an airport one or of the largest airplanes you yeah. know as far as mass and size um 
but uh, certainly I know you can put one down over at uh, Offit, which isn't, you know, I don't think the runway is too terribly much bigger than Epley's runway. Yeah. You watch some of these documentaries and they actually have aerial footage of the base being expanded of Area 51 getting larger and larger and larger decade by decade. And uh, I mean, there came a point where they pretty much doubled it. Like it went from half a mile long to a mile long. And then the next expansion was like two mile long runway. Um, but it's bizarre. And, and you got a whole, it's a whole phenomena. It's a right. whole culture out yeah. there. You have uh, nearby, um, one of the closest towns to Area 51 is Rachel, Nevada. It's just a little dot on the map. It's just a little, it's a sleepy little desert town. But they have a little uh, restaurant there. It's a little diner called the Little Ailey Inn. And you go there and the whole place, you know, you have a guest book, people sign sign their name from all over the world. You get a t-shirt and a coffee mug and people swap stories. But, you know, I'm sure the lady in there working behind the counter serving cherry pies, she's heard some stuff. I'm oh, sure yeah, she yeah. has. And, and she claims to have even seen some stuff, too. Yeah. Um, there's actually a, a kind of an interesting video on YouTube about the little alien or actually it's more more about the culture of UFO seekers there's so many people that just come to this. It's, it's almost like a pilgrimage. They'll yeah. come and, you know, they'll try to get as close to the base as they can to see what they can. And it's kind of interesting because uh, this documentary will take you through a couple of guys doing just that. And they get chased away by men in white trucks. Yeah. And um, they uh, they cover a gathering of a bunch of UFO uh, um, enthusiasts Um and they have kind of like a big party every year, a big reunion every year. Um, and they bring out like an Elvis singer from Vegas. And oh, it, it just really turns into quite quite an interesting group of, of people. And you, uh, they, of course, in this documentary, interview a lot of these people. Some of them get pretty crazy. I mean, in my my opinion. Like foil I mean, hat crazy? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's people who claim to be from other planets right. and stuff. And when you're human and you're claiming to be from another planet, I, I kind of stop listening to you. Because, <laughs> you know. It's <laughs> like a bumper sticker. Yeah. <laughs> but, if you claim to be from another planet, yeah. I'm going to shut down <laughs> and not listen to you. But but then again, you know, there's also documentaries on, on YouTube that there are very bona fide seemingly sane people um you know well-educated people that tell stories about that you know the area 51 and and things they've seen and heard from that area and it's it's pretty freaky some of the stories these people tell and it's it's um it's hard not to walk away from that wondering hmm you know i wonder if this you know some of these people actually have some of this right i saw a graph it was several years ago, but it was going into the average, and, and Pat, you'll love this as a technology guy, um, and you'll love it. We'll, we'll, we'll all love it. We're all nerdy. <laughs> but you can see, you, you can track like the pace of advances in technology over time. And it was humanity, for the most part, over the history of recorded time and technological advancements of humanity has more or less followed a nice, steady curve. Mm -hmm. And then they said, post- World War II or post right before World War II when you have all of this stuff happening it the curve just changes it spikes the development in technology versus time isn't even comparable anymore and they were Moore's law comes into place where now you have if, if you know the whole Moore's law thing it's where the size of a computer chip will shrink by half 
but double in storage capacity every year. Mm-hmm. Wow. And that's what we're seeing now in our microelectronics between our phones and computers. And it's all getting thinner. It's all getting smaller. You know, Pat has an iWatch or an Apple Watch, and that thing is more powerful than the computer that I bought and, you know, that my dad got in the 80s, <laughs> yeah. you know. And so when you, when, you, when you trend that technology out, and I understand that sometimes it's just, you know, there's an argument to be made here. But like you said, the, the backwards, the reverse engineering of even if it's found technology, forget, like you said, maybe just factor aliens out together. You just found something and took it apart and figured out, hey, man, we didn't make this, but we figured out how it works. It's a very compelling argument. My well, opinion. and that's my take. <laughs> and you get into some of these, you know, you watch these shows and documentaries and, and do your homework. And, um, you know, a lot of people claim that that sudden spike in technology was due to technology that was being engineered or reverse engineered at Area 51. Mm-hmm. Everything from anti-gravity machines to fiber optics to microchips and everything in between. A lot of people allegedly claim that, you know, it was developed there at Area 51. Another kind of interesting spin to this whole phenomenon is back in, I believe it was the early 90s, there was a character that came forth publicly. His name was Bob Lazar. Mm -hmm. And there was actually, I remember being in, ah, gosh, probably seventh or eighth grade. And I remember watching this documentary. It was on like 2020 or Dateline, like a main, main program. And I remember going to school the next day and talking to my buddies about it because everybody watched it. Long story short, Bob Lazar publicly came out and was interviewed on this show claiming that he was a government worker who was employed uh, at Area 50, Area 51 for these years, these dates. You know, they, they, and I think one of his reasons in doing so was just to kind of bring, to bring everything to the forefront because, you know, he wanted people to know what their government was spending money on. And in coming out, he had to do it very publicly because if he just told a couple, you know, a couple buddies and they told a couple buddies and the government knew that it was him who was the whistleblower, you know, uh, they might track him down and make sure he wouldn't do that again by killing him. So he went extremely public. And so that if anything happened to him under mysterious circumstances that people would know it was the government in foul play. But the weird thing was they hooked up Bob Lazar to polygraph test after polygraph test and all these uh, lie detector machines indicated he was 100% telling the truth. But it wasn't just, hi, I'm Bob, I worked at Area 51. No, he was giving them detailed information like his his computer password. Um, he was giving them information about what the inside of the building looked like, how to, how you got to the cafeteria, what he had for lunch on Tuesdays, what they served. He was telling them people's names. Uh, he, he basically drew a whole diagram of the entire inside of the building. And as he's answering all these extremely de- detailed questions on these polygraph tests, he's passing them all like he's telling the truth. Wow. And, uh, you know, of course, you got the people trying to discredit him. It's it's highly controversial, but still to this day, I believe he holds true that he was a worker at Area 51. Another interesting thing that Bob Lazar shared is that nobody working at Area 51 actually knows what they do at Area 51 because he says they got people so separated and segregated it's that basically... It's compartmentalized. It's so compartmentalized. You got these guys over on this sector... Uh, putting doohickeys in trinkets, but then they'll take that product and send it to the over uh, other division 
where they process and insert microchips in. So basically nobody actually sees the finished the product, product of, and nobody yeah. knows what they're actually doing. And one guy's job is to smash it with a hammer. Exactly. <laughs> you never saw anything. <laughs> I just break these things. I don't even know why I'm breaking them. Well, well, and Bob Lazar is funny. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's obvious you bring up his name because he's probably the big name that has come out of the whole Area 51 story. Is if you want to put a face on Area 51... He's probably it. He was actually in this video I was talking about where they got together at Rachel. He came and spoke to these people, you know, and they just treat him like a rock star. Oh, yeah. You know, he, it's like, he's there's signing. the man right there. He's, you know, they're doing selfies <laughs> with him and he's signing, signing autographs. You're the man, exactly. Bob, signing babies yeah. on the forehead. <laughs> he's, he's like so. their, uh, he's their idol Area 51 rock star. He but, blows a kiss to some lady. She passes out. Ah, Bob. We love you, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I, it's it's such a compelling place, and uh, you just you you would kill to have some more information on that. Not not literally. Well, not literally. Yeah, I wouldn't kill anybody. But what if you like? Is, there's there's a small part of me, the dumb part of me, who wants to go up there to that proverbial line. I'm sure it's a literal line it is. where uh, you yeah. get there and it says, "Do not cross this line. Deadly force authorized." What if you go and put your pinky toe over that line? You know, there's a part of me that wants to do it to find out. There's another part of me that says, if you do that, you'll never see your family again. But you watch these shows and they have what they unofficially refer to as the camo dudes. Yeah. And those are the guys sitting in those white SUVs or black SUVs up on the ridge. And their job is to literally watch people coming from a mile away. They have sensors hidden in the in the tumbleweeds and the cactus, you know, in the cacti out in the field. They can. It's it's rumored that they can literally smell you coming. Yeah. They have vibrational sensors. They have smell sensors. They have every kind of camera you can imagine. So literally, they will see anybody coming from a mile away. And if you get too close to that line, you know they'll speed down the hill. These big, you know, GI Joe six foot four army guys will jump out in camo camouflage uniforms with automatic rifles, and they'll either arrest you or they'll scare you so bad that you'll never return. And there, there was one guy in a documentary I saw who claims to have been one of the camo dudes. And he is now dying of what amounts to like lung cancer. He believes it was from them burning materials that they use on like the, uh, the, the B-2 bomber. You know, that, that material we were talking about to knock down the radar uh, image yeah. of the plane. And so they would actually burn that stuff to get rid of it uh, for whatever reason on the base. And he believes it caused lung cancer. So he's pretty free about doling out what his part in the area 51 story is. Cause he, he doesn't have left, you know, yeah. what do you a have long life. Yeah. Yeah, nothing like a, nothing like but a he said that he was instructed if people do, as you say, tip their toe over that line, they were allowed to just take them out, do yeah. whatever you need to do. You know, Take them out if you want to. But in this video I, I watched, there were guys that were right up there on the line and they chased them away and they chased them past the line and down the road. <laughs> and those guys, you you saw the fear of God in those guys, you know, being chased by this white truck. Uh, eventually the truck broke off the chase. But the white, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure they they put the fear of God in them. They're not going anywhere near that place again. The white truck guys, you know, they're lo- loving it. They're oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, they've yeah. probably been sitting out there for eight days with right. nothing it's to like, do. But watch what I'm going to do. This. Yeah. Guy. Yeah. yeah. 
They're probably updating their Facebook status and eating ho-hos. <laughs> oh, a guy, let's go scare him. Oh, something to do. We got a live one. Let's, yeah. let's go do it. <laughs> but there was a recent video, or at least I saw it recently. It was like a YouTube sensation. It was this guy who had that very idea. I think he was actually on a dirt bike or something. But he had a, he had a, a camera on his helmet and everything. Okay. He went right up to the line, and I think he like he got... You'll have to watch it. Some something happened, and they they told his buddy like you stop filming right now. But anyway, there was a major confrontation, and I, I don't I don't remember if it got physical or if they just yelled at him. But it, it's a, it's an actual uh, interaction with the camo oh, dudes really? right there at the line that you're not supposed to cross. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and maybe they were even doing a Facebook live. I, I don't remember what was going on, but oh. maybe some of the listeners could look that up and find it. I'm almost positive the guy was on a dirt bike though. Wow, that's crazy. On a dirt bike, by the way. On a dirt bike, like yeah. like a motorcross bike. Not, not he didn't pedal out there. I can just picture like if this was an '80s movie, he would have ramped it and done a backflip and landed inside Area 51. Sound effects included. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I don't my. know. What do you guys think is there? I, uh, Pat, you Pat, you first. You had all, all this. Well, great info. You know if. If uh, obviously the black projects, it's a known thing. That's what they do there. They're they're creating stuff for the military, uh, and obviously you don't want our enemies to know what's going on. You also don't want the general public to know what's going on there. So the security has to be tight. Um, and then then you start talking about alien craft and things like that. And you know if 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 aliens or ufos have, have crashed and we've recovered objects that's where i'd send it yeah you know Here, here's here's my take on on that and i'm not saying i i i'm going on record saying i 100 i i don't usually say i 100 believe or disbelieve in anything i 100 believe that there's life out there elsewhere in the universe there's too many planets and stars for there not to be other advanced civilizations yeah i also think it's highly possible that these uh, extraterrestrials could have visited our planet in the past or currently i just have a hard time believing the it's hard for me to wrap my mind around a, a alien craft crashing in roswell or elsewhere on our planet can you imagine that's i mean they, they traveled you know what thousands maybe millions of light years and then you're gonna crash like once you finally get to your destination yeah. Yeah. that's yeah. like driving all the way across the country and then and getting then in a car accident, crashing went, like, into the gates at Disney World, like well, like or not only that, it's like going all the way across the country and then making it all the way back to your house and then crashing your car one inch before you're inside your garage. Yeah. Right. Well, and and plus, if they're advanced enough to travel the cosmos and dodge black holes and asteroids, and they have their anti gravity machines, you think they would be advanced enough to handle a lightning storm here on Earth? Yeah. You know, so how could they crash if they're that advanced? Sure. But I don't I mean, know. What do you what do you think's in there, Eddie? I. So this is weird. Like these are the things that you kind of daydream about and think about all the time, or off and off, as a fan of this kind of stuff. I do think that um, we as humans are such you know intelligent, smart things. However, we do have a predictability about the way and speed in which we develop, you know. And if and if you can track that for thousands of years, certainly. And there's pockets of weird stuff like developments of technology outside of that happening. But I think that is the introduction of kind of what they call like the whole cargo cult phenomenon where where something that is completely off your normal grid shows up. And whether that and this is getting a little out there, whether it's a time travel thing or an alien thing, I think somehow somewhere we came across something that we didn't necessarily build. And whether that whether that was aliens or 
something else, us from a different time, whatever. And like Pat was saying, you put that someplace that it's going to be very hard for people to get to. And that's how you break it down, take it apart, figure it out. Mm -hmm. I think, if anything, Area 51 is a place where they're developing super intense, high-secrecy projects in a sense that they did come across technology that is not necessarily human. I mean, you, you got, at, or not current human. Of this Earth. Yeah. Of this Earth. Uh, you made the point, uh, aliens, kind of statistical proof, I mean, statistical fact, there has to be other life on other planets. Whether it's intelligent or not, that's a whole different discussion. But someone made a good point about just the sheer distance of time and space and how that works out. You could have had an ancient civilization that was super developed, but over just because of the way distance and time works, they may be extinct. Yeah. And you may have remnants of that technology laying on, you know, as a wreckage somewhere. And I know that there's a lot of people who think the moon is a place where there might be evidence of a former civilization. The point is, I think we came across some technology and we bring that. And that since then we've developed our own stuff, but it comes back down to that initial discovery of this weird pile of stuff that maybe we didn't necessarily make that's my initial thought might be a little out there but well you know what well, that's what this whole show is for is yes! to talk about out there stuff so everybody should have an opinion you know what's really interesting though is you have a point what what would account for that sudden jump in oh. technology you know what when was the first uh, model t developed 1901 sometime Something around like turn of the century yeah, yeah so you know and and then in 69 you know, we're landing on the moon. So you go from yeah. making the first automated vehicle to landing on the moon in like, what, 60-some 60, 60 years. It just doesn't add up. You know, in the whole of human civilization, our technology didn't boom that quickly. And furthermore, in, in I believe it was August of uh, 45, 1945, you had the first uh, atom bomb tested. You know, shortly after that, in 46, you have all this alien activity going on of the first UFO sightings and the alleged crash at, at Roswell. So makes you wonder on like a global scale, did, you know, if there are aliens out there, did they see that we had finally uh, mastered nuclear weapons and did that suddenly grab their attention and cause them to come say, hey, uh, what's up with that green and blue planet? They must be pretty advanced if they you know, can uh, split an atom and harness the power of the sun. So yeah. let's go Let's go down there and make sure they don't blow themselves up. So the timing is interesting if you think about it, but who knows what they're, what they're developing there. It, it just makes you wonder because whatever we think they have there, it's probably 20 to 30 years more advanced than we can possibly imagine. I have an actual graph up of Moore's Law, acceleration and technological growth in uh, human civilization. And granted, Whoa. these things are all very, you know, you, you know, this is not hard science, what I'm doing right no. here. But, but I, I know people can't see this, but it's like a line that's pretty much just... Uh, Almost a 90 degree angle. Yeah, it goes straight <laughs> up, like like a little bit of technological advancement, then all of a sudden it goes straight up like a mountain wall. And the year it hits is uh, 1950. There you yeah. go. Uh, right the, after the war. Just shoots straight up into the sky. And so you have minor, and they have like what those developments were. The telescope, the t steam engine, the telegraph, uh, light bulb, telephone, and all of a sudden, boom, car. Shortly after car, which is at the 19th, you know, the turn of the century, and then 1950, man on the moon right before that, and then everything just shoots through the sky. So that to me, if you, if you, if you were doing anything, if this graph was any kind of graph, you would point to that spot right there and go, something changed right here. Yeah. Something came in that wasn't there before. And whether that's outside influence, I don't know. I don't know. 
Where do glow sticks come in on the on that chair? Where do glow sticks come in? I think that's like post, like right before Man on the Moon. Because we every week we've talked about glow sticks. <laughs> I had to get it in there. We got the rave music going now. They got a rave on the moon. <laughs> What's this rave on the moon? Hit okay. that baby. <laughs> <laughs> moon rave. <laughs> Nothing like a moon rave. Moon rave. I bet you on Friday nights they all let the, the camo dudes let loose and, and turn on their glow streaks. Area 51 rave. Have a pina colada. Yeah. You jump up, but you never come down. Do <laughs> you think there's karaoke at Area 51? There's got to be company parties, right? I think they would let loose a little bit. Casual Fridays? Casual Fridays. You know, another weird thing is that you'll find if you watch some of these documentaries is, you know, how do people... Sorry. <laughs> Pat's losing it over here. I'm a little late to that one, but that's funny. You know what's really funny? You watch these documentaries, and it's like you wonder, how do these people get there? You know, Area 51 is literally in the middle of the Nevada desert. But from, I, I believe it's actually just the Las Vegas airport. Right. They have yeah. a special wing, a special terminal designated for flights to Area 51. That's all it's used for. Yeah. And the kind of weird, creepy thing about the flights, they're known as Janet flights, just like the name Janet. Mm-hmm. And Janet 5, you know, Janet 12, I guess they, they might number them like that. But they don't have the regular uh, names for like a flight, you know, like. Really? Yeah, they, they don't. So they're known as Janet flights. And just kind of, they're like white jets. White jets. I've seen them out there before when I've been in Vegas and white jets with like a red stripe across them. All the windows are closed. You know, uh, I'm sure they have, uh, they're all kind of monitored as they fly over there. Nobody's opening any windows on these things if they haven't, you know, permanently sealed them already anyway. And it's a plane that's specifically landing at Area 51. That's all they're used for. Yeah. Yeah. And they they also have buses, I think, that run out there as well. Um, But, uh, yeah, you're you're sent out there, or so I'm, I've, I've, told and been told in my my studies of this place (laughs) (laughs) you're sent out there you're given an id badge you're heavily scrutinized before they give it to you and then again they scrutinize you as you leave and you turn in your id badge put you on the flight ship you back to vegas till your next shift do you think there's been anybody in the past or or present who would go so who is such a ufo enthusiast who is so curious that they kind of devoted their adult life to figuring out what's going on there. Like, went and got the degree. I got an advanced, you know, aeronautics or engineering degree, jumped through all the hoops, got the military credentials, did whatever they had to do just to get inside Area 51 and scope it out and see what's going on so they could blow the whistle on the whole thing. You'd have to be pretty sly to be able to pull something like that off, I would imagine. That's true. It's pretty... Would they catch you in the interviews saying, ah, this guy's a jack wagon? Unless you get absorbed in. But they they probably need cooks there too. And they probably need, you know, like security guys. Those are probably fairly normal Joes. I don't think they're bringing out, you know, G.I. Joe or anybody. uh, Which, yeah. You know, it's. On some level, those people are told the same thing, right? Like, yeah, you cook hamburgers out here, but you still don't tell people where you work. Right. Right. Like you might not know to what end, but you're like, I cooked hamburgers in this place. I was told didn't exist. I don't know, man. If I'm cooking hamburgers, I just assume get a job at McDonald's where there's not a risk yeah. of toxic chemicals exactly. and cancer and all that. I don't stuff. know. McDonald's, same, same diff. Well, it's true, it's true, I guess. They're burning this black stuff outside in the parking lot of McDonald's. It covers up a B2 bomb. Small print. Opinions and ideas discussed are not directly from McDonald's. Well, certainly, yeah, I'm sure exactly. Area 51 is going to come up on the show in the future i'm sure there's so many different things you can talk about when you're 
covering this topic and uh you know we hardly even touched aliens and ufos in this episode but uh uh it's all it's kind of just taken this life of its own um there's even been i've seen magazine articles popular mechanics did a story years back about the new area 51 and this was actually a place they were grooming i think it was in colorado i believe so too uh or maybe utah some some mountain range uh place out there and people were saying they were going to start uh toning down area 51 in nevada and shut that place down for this in favor of this new site and whether or not that ever Hmm. it sounds like area 51 is alive and well right now yeah and keeps growing but i've heard the same thing they're unofficially dubbing the new place and i think you're right i think it is in colorado uh area 52 which (laughs) which technically doesn't make any sense because in nevada area 51 got its name just because there was a big grid of the area and it just happened to fall in the sector known it was the it was area it was literally area 51 right out of of, i don't know 100 sectors but unofficially area 52 apparently it's twice as big twice as mysterious but that's how we americans like it right you always got to one up the other guy so uh, you give me a sequel (laughs) yeah you know what we could do for a future episode because it kind of links into colorado is the is the urban myths and legends and conspiracy theories surrounding the Denver International Airport. Oh, boy. Because it's rumored that, I mean, and I've been there even recently this year, that place is huge. There's no reason. I mean, they have, it's like the size of Omaha, and they have it all marked off just for, quote-unquote, the airport. Yeah. But it's said to have such a big underground base that they say there's alien crafts, they got tunnels (laughs) to house the president and underground bunkers, and they got enough room down there for, like, a million people. So plus a lot of weird imagery. A lot of weird imagery. A lot yeah. of the murals are kind of like what? What? <laughs> yeah. Why is the sky melting? Well, maybe, uh, maybe we could make that the main mystery in a yeah. future episode. Who knows? <laughs> that would be so fun. Yeah, I, I swear. Um, as far as yeah, Area Fifty One. Well, weird. thanks for thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, I guess we're about ready to wrap it up. So uh, uh, anyway, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, hope you enjoyed all three segments, and if you. If you have any feedback, follow-up, uh, you know, questions or advice or suggestions for topics of future episodes, uh, feel free to contact us. Don't forget to check us out on uh, Twitter at Paranormal at Paranormal Dads. Yep. And on Facebook, Paranormal Dads. Yes, and please review us on iTunes as well. If we get reviewed, then we get uh, exposed to more uh, listeners. So that'll help us out. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to like us and review us on the uh, podcast app. And if you make it to Area 51 and do put your toe over the line, uh, be sure to contact us. We'll either try to bail you out or we'll send you a free T-shirt for your efforts. Yay! (laughs) Thank you.